The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2014, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This recording was from Saturday, May 10th. Private Tasting Salon, Beer and Wine Hybrids, featuring Eric Bierman and John Messier from Lucid Brew. All right, since we're pouring beers, I'll, I'll get started. Um, welcome uh, to Beer and Wine Hybrids, one of the salons here at Savor. Um, today we have Eric Bierman and John Messier from Lucid Brewing in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Um, so uh, it's a great panel. Um, Savor, this is the seventh year of Savor, um, an American craft beer and food experience, which is put on by the Brewers Association, where the nonprofit uh, organization represents small and independent craft brewers here in the U.S. Um, thanks first to the sponsor of this room, Spiegelau. Um, some of you may have grabbed glasses on the way in, so uh, thanks to them. Um, a couple of housekeeping rules before we jump in, and I pass it off to Eric and John. Uh, first, please wait to drink what you have in front of you until prompted by the speakers. Um, they may prompt you to do it immediately, but uh, we asked that so we don't move through the beers um, and you get to taste them as they're talking about them. Second, all of these are being recorded, um, so we're going to do a very open Q&A, but if you can wait till you get the mic uh, before you ask your questions so that it gets on the record and people listening at home can listen in and learn from your excellent questions. Um, I believe that's it. Let's go. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is John Messier. This is my partner, Eric Bierman. Uh, cheers to you. Uh, you made the uh, extra effort to get here an hour early. I know that's a tough thing. We've been drinking mimosas all morning, so uh, <laughs> bear with us a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, we, uh, we started the brewery, uh, Lucid Brewing, about two years ago. Uh, we were both kind of corporate guys. We wanted to get uh, in touch with our hobby full bore, so uh, had a little break from the corporate life and um, three years now have gone by. So uh, now we run a brewery and um, have lots of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's a good time to be in the industry. Yeah, cheers to you. Um, today we're gonna be, uh, we're gonna be talking about um, uh, a beer-wine hybrid that we, we do mostly just for sales out of the brewery in Minnesota. We're, uh, we're based in Minnetonka, Minnesota. It's pretty, it's pretty cold out there right now. Um, it snowed last week, <laughs> if you can believe it. Um, uh, we, we like to have fun with our beer and with our, the people who come out and visit us, so um, hopefully we can have some fun with you tonight. Um, I don't know, Eric, you want to you wanna dive into the beer that we're drinking right now, and we'll, we'll just kind of roll from there? Yeah, so kind of the, um, the premise we have, we're actually going to walk through um, a variety of our beers. So if you look at the menu, um, kind of what's happening is we'll go through number one and two, the combination of those is what created number three, and, the, and then um, the combination of three and four is kind of what created number five. So we'll kind of just step through them, talk a little bit. So to start out is um, Silo, it's our Saison that we do as a kind of our summer release. It's kind of um, a very traditional um, Saison. Um, I'll talk a little bit, I guess, I do more of the, the brewing side, so I'll talk more about the technical features, about the beer. John will kind of maybe talk about, you know, um, a little bit of food pairing with them. Because uh, most of our beers are designed kind of with um, restaurants in mind and how to pair with menus in, in, rather than just kind of something to throw out there. So, so the, the Silo Saison, you know, it's a moderate alcohol beer, 5.5%. Um, a lot of the, the characteristics you're going to pick up on it is mainly from the, uh, the yeast that we use, which is a general French Saison yeast. Um, kind of the, 
you know, I, I wrote a few notes here so that I panic in front of everyone here, um, kind of talk through. Um, but you know, if you um, you can go ahead and um, go ahead and try it, sniff it, um, um, let it warm up a little bit, get it to open up a little bit more. Um, but you're going to pick up um, a variety of um, characteristics from the yeast, so from um, banana, you know, or maybe almost like um, strawberry banana flavored bubble gum, to a little bit of white pepper, tangerine zest, maybe some like dry alfalfa hay kind of characteristics to it. Um, but um, keep in mind as you're teaching or tasting each of these, um, you know, that um, kind of make notes of what you're um, tasting now and then see if you can pick up on that later when, you, um, when these are a part of the, the blended beers. So. And with, with each of these beers, um, what's really cool about Savor is we're, we're here for food and beer, right? So it's the whole experience. And um, we wanted to, we were sitting in the hotel room and we were thinking, we should, we should tell you about some of the food that we think this beer goes with. And um, like Eric was saying, we, we partner up with a lot of restaurants to make sure you know, the beer is presented right and that the, cons the customer is having a good experience. And um, uh, for, for our Saison, we, we were thinking, you know, this is the first course in tonight's uh, thing. So um, with a first course, you want to have some cheese, maybe some crackers. We're thinking, um, you know, th this beer is a little bit funky, a little bit farmhousey, um, maybe a camembert or like a mobe with like a, you know, it's like a goat cheese sheep blend. We're in, we're right next to Wisconsin. We eat a lot of cheese. So um, <laughs> that's going to be a common theme tonight. There's lots of good cheese in Minnesota, too. So um, think, of a, think of some funky cheeses and give it a swirl and give it a taste and see what you think. Um, we're definitely trying to highlight some of the, uh, you know, a little bit of the funkiness that happens in Saison's. And that's, that all comes from the yeast that we leave in solution. You'll notice a little bit of a haze on this, nice orange color to it. Really good presentation there. Um, it, it's made to be enjoyed, so uh, drink up and we'll get the next one going here. <laughs> How does combining the wine and beer together affect your brewing? Like as far as uh, the process yeah, involved? Yeah, does it, you, do you have to do it in a particular way to make it come out tasting like a beer? And, is there a percentage blend in that? Yeah, there's um, definitely, um, we have to be very much aware of the, where the alcohol is coming from. So we have to make sure that the majority of the alcohol is still coming from the malt-based beer side of it. So um, I'll talk about kind of our racials of what we blend it in. But we are actually, um, when we do the initial batches, we are blending in unfermented wine or musk into the fermenter along with the, with the beer and fermenting it completely together because we, we find that that technique definitely brings out a lot more complexity. So. Um, what we're going to pour next is um, actually the, uh, it's called Frontenac Gris. It's a white wine that's, uh, the grape is native to Minnesota. Um, I believe it was developed by the U of M. Yeah, U of M developed a grape, University of Minnesota. Uh, they have a huge agricultural department. They do a lot for um, developing apples for cold weather. They're working on grapes. Um, they're working on hops as well. Uh, Frontenac Gris is a, um, it's, it's basically a, a white grape, but it looks red on the outside. Um, yeah, it's, it's not a true white. It's actually a mutant of Frontenac, which is a, a, a red wine. So um, you'll find that this, if you saw this grape, it does have kind of a, a reddish hue to the outside of it. 
though the inside is white. And, and what we're going to do here is um, you're going to get a little sample of the wine. Uh, what we tried first is the, the Cezanne. Um, coming around is the, the, the front neck gris wine. And um, we, wanted to, uh, we wanted to give you the raw, the basic parts of the beer, of our beer wine hybrid, so you could taste them on their own, uh, develop your own kind of opinion for these. You'll notice um, as the wine comes around, it's, uh, it's got a um, nice uh, fruit character to it. It's kind of sweet. Um, uh, as far as uh, a food pairing goes with this, um, you know, with a white wine, a, a fruity wine, you're, I would think salads, arugula salad, strawberries, Parmesan cheese. We've got to do cheese. We're in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it, it is, it's on the sweeter end of wines, but, um, um, when we get to the hybrid, you'll see where these flavors make sense. Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Why in the world did you end up, uh, blending beer and wine? Where'd that come from? Uh, the question is more, why not? <laughs> we can. Um, but, um, if I did not open up a brewery with John, I would have probably like, moved to California and opened a winery, but... I didn't want to move to California. I do drink a lot of wine, love wine. Um, you know, I guess apparently I love Jameson or, you know, scotches and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I, um, it's a different challenge than brewing. Like uh, brewing, you know, most of the work goes into creating the recipe and, you know, the, the malt hop, you know, kind of development. Where wine, you know, it, it kind of goes more into the fermentation and into the blending techniques. So it's a little bit different science and one I also have a lot of interest in. You know, and originally I started out trying to do beers with different types of wine yeast, but wine yeast has um, specifically been trained and designed to uh, do a couple of things. One, focus on sucrose, or I mean, sorry, fructose. Um, so it only will, will go after these very simple sugars. So to get into the maltose and the dextrose of beer, it, um, you know, it's, it's uh, challenged by that. And the other thing is, it's, um, since wineries, um, from a brewer's perspective, wineries are very non-sanitary, um, but they do not need to because their product has a very low pH, um, and also the, you know, any wild yeast that exists on the, the vine that comes in with the berries, um, this, uh, you know, the, the wine yeast will actually kill it. So thus, you try to add some beer yeast later to dry it up, this out, the wine yeast kills it. So it's kind of ended up, you know, a struggle that I never could get through, so... So it's like, well, let's actually bring in the wine, you know, to get those characteristics. So. And um, the brewing process is kind of neat. We, um, we, we add the juice during fermentation. Um, is anybody here a home brewer? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So um, uh, you're fermenting beer the normal way. you got your beer yeast in there. Um, beer, beer yeast is very happy at about 5.2 pH. Um, wine uh, will drop that down to 3 and that's like functioning in the lambic sour beer kind of range. Um, it kills yeast. It's just a nasty... It, at that level, you're talking straight acid. And um, so the way that we kind of blend them together is uh, we will slowly feed in the wine juice during fermentation and let the, the yeast get used to it, kind of uh, build itself back up, and then we break it down a little bit more by feeding it more and more juice. So... Um, it's it's definitely a it was a it was a big process change for us, which is kind of just kind of fun. Let me ask you about the particular uh, wine grapes that you're using. Do you have to be 
very careful about the grape, or will this work with most grapes? Um, no, I mean, it's, it's pretty open. Like, it just, it's mainly coming down to the flavor profile that you're looking for, and, um, and I was definitely looking to work with um, a local winery. So, like, like the wines grown in Minnesota are uh, a more cold climate variety, so it's going to be different than what you're going to find in California. Um, and at the same time, that um, you know, means that they're not going to be producing as great of a wine as you might find from a Cal California-grown grape. So, um, but um, but there's certain aspects of why, like this year, we chose a Frontenac Gris over like um, there's like a few other varieties growing in Minnesota, like a Marquette, like a red wine. Um, and it was kind of mainly, um, you know, we sat down with the owner of the wine winery we worked with, um, Carly Lake Wine Winery, and we literally were measuring the milliliters of our saison and different wines and finding the ratios where we knew we could keep the alcoholic percentage in check, but also, you know, that fine line of work, you know, the, the flavor that you're looking to pull out of the wine. And, um, you know, and this was one of the two that we um, you know, decided to, to try the first year. And, and, and do you get, like, a lot of, uh, what, what I get out of this wine is a lot of, uh, a lot of fruit character, like a lot of melon, a lot of... Uh, you know, kind of uh, mango-y. It, it, it's got some tropical fruit notes to it. Um, we thought that would be kind of fun to mix with a with a Belgian ale. Just a we we have this nice light, summery, effervescent saison, and we add a little fruit to that. It'd be kind of fun. So that was that was the that's where the the process began, and then um, I guess we we had to we we brewed our saison up quite a bit. And then we then we went through the process of adding the wine in, and uh, uh, yeah, we ended up with uh, what we're going to pour now, which will be um, uh, this year's version of the hallucination. We call it hallucination uh, because it's not like anything else we make. It's kind of our um, we we make pale ales mostly. Uh, this is way outside the realm of us of what we normally do. Um, and that's why it's fun, and that's why we gave it crazy names, and <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so, so um, including this wine and everything you're going to taste has never left the state of Minnesota. Um, some of these, um, the 2012 version that we'll sample a little later has never, ever left the brewery, so we never actually have sold it. We just use it for blending. Um, you know, so just a little bit of technical parameters on this. This is a 12% wine for anyone that's following that, and that'll lead into some of the, the stuff coming later. And, and this um, version that you're actually drinking is slightly back-sweetened um, to kind of give it a little bit of sweet characteristic. Otherwise, you know, wine does, you know, fully ferment out, unlike beer, which ferments out about 70 to 80 percent. If I can ask, um, what styles do you think work and, and don't work well with a, a grape must? Um, what styles work and don't work with grapes? Yeah. Um, I don't know. You, you could probably mix in, you could probably match up a, a few different things. Um, I was actually just drinking a dogfish head with Syrah, 
uh, yesterday, and uh, it was an IPA with a Syrah, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, the 61. And um, it, I think if, uh, if you look at them independently, they, there's a lot of different qualities that mimic each other and um, you can have fun with. So as long as you don't do anything stupid with flavor profiles, uh, there, there's plenty of room for stupidity, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, uh, y if you think about it and you engage with the ingredients and the flavors, then um, hopefully you don't mess it up too bad. <laughs> Where do you guys actually get your grape musk for, for the entire batch? Um, so this is all sourced out of uh, a winery called Parley Lake Winery. Um, the uh, front neck gris is um, produced and crushed and strained there. They're about, uh, they're about 10 miles from the brewery in Minnesota. And um, how many gallons did we do? We did, uh, whatever, 55 times 6, whatever that is, so, uh, it's 330, yeah, 320. Yeah, so, um, Eric and his six-year-old son, Liam, did a little field trip where they could, they didn't get to get their feet all in grapes and whatnot, but they went out there and they crushed it. <laughs> yeah. They had a good time. Actually, yeah, we, we swatted yellow jacket wasps away from the... Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's the weirdest thing about a winery. They can have all this stuff floating around because, um, you know, wine has a huge advantage of a low pH and um, high alcohol, which is a great preservative. Uh, like wine, the, the low pH of it, you know, because it's um, considerably lower than beer. So like, like beer, when you ferment it, will actually lower during the fermentation process. And the lower you can get it, you know, that makes it better for shelf stability. Um, where wine, you know, it's already low the minute it comes off the plant. So, so, so as you're drinking this, um, this is the uh, this year's version of the hybrid. Um, it's it's got a super low pH and it comes across like tart and sour, and that's just from the grape juice. Um, like I was saying, it finishes in that three two three four range, which. Um, for all our beer connoisseur people, that puts it in the range of a lambic. So um, there's no souring bacteria in this whatsoever. It's just a natural tartness that comes from working with white grapes. Um, so this is um, this is very this is a very young beer. Um, the the grapes were harvested in September and um, blended in. I think we were. We had this bottled in November. So for 12.5% uh, for alcohol beer, this is very, very young. Um, and all that tartness, again, it comes from the grapes. It's not, uh, it's, not a it's, it's not a lactobacillus. It's not a Brettanomyces. It's just, some, it's just the tartness from the grape. Which is, uh, and then you get a little Belgian character to it as well. A um, little bit of the effervescence from the, the Saison yeast and... Um, little bit of the pepper that comes through. Um, so number one and number two were the first two courses we did our Saison, and we did the front and gris. Number one, one and two, number three. That's what it equals. So, <laughs> um. Yeah, and then we, we um, did a few different techniques. Like when we, when we actually crush this wine, 
we did not destem it beforehand because we actually wanted to pull some of the astringency from the stem itself, you know, along as you would get some of that from the, like, the tanning qualities of the um, skin. But we, we did not actually pitch any of that with the beer. We actually, you know, separated it and just only ran the juice into the beer. But, and, um, you know, and actually being in the style of a white wine variety, um, we do not, this is a beer, beer that we would not recommend long-term aging. You know, something that we consume first, um, or fairly fresh. And then the other aspect is um, we've been learning that older this gets, that the wine begins to be a little bit more aggressive in the, and um, starts taking over the Belgian characteristics. So. And actually, what we did with the, the silo, our Saison, we actually um, upped that from a 5.5% beer, and we Belgianized it and made it a big 12.5% beer, just doing simple Belgian techniques, adding more malt and a little bit of sugar, or lots of sugar. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we, it is a strictly um, fermented with a French Saison yeast, um, nothing, nothing special. And at a very moderate temperature, we actually mimicked a Chardonnay um, temperature fermentation of about 65 degrees. So we didn't want to funk it up too much with um, the Belgian characteristics that the yeast can provide. What was the ratio between the So we beer. did about 600 gallons of, of beer to about 300... 20 gallons of wine. And this is a uh, 12.5% alcohol. So um, we're, it's going to go downhill fast because uh, they just get bigger from here. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we only bring big beer to savor. That's right, right? Yeah, yeah and, it, and it wasn't really... The question was whether they'll normally just go down. Yes, this dried out tremendously. I mean, um, um, we were not expecting the alcohol to end as high as it was. It just kind of happened. Um, yeah, it fermented much drier than we, we, we planned on it. So, so um, food pairing-wise, my thought is, again, Minnesota. Um, have, has anybody ever had a, has anybody had a walleye before? It, walleye is the most amazing fish in the world, and um, when we're lucky enough to get away from the brewery, we like to do a little uh, canoe fishing, catch some walleye, fry it up with some, uh, you know, put a little tangerine zest on there if we have tangerines on the canoe. <laughs> so, so we think. <laughs> no, um, uh, just like a white wine or a, 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 a kind of a blonde Belgian beer high alcohol stuff, you want to do like a lighter fish uh, kind of thing or a white meat chicken would work. But, um, but we, um, we, don't, spam, we don't catch a lot of them. Spam does not pair that well with this. <laughs> well, I think if you um, fried some spam with some orange zest butter, you yeah. might, might be on to it. So. <laughs> spam pizza. You know, I, I can see that happening. <laughs> Hi, I have a quick question. Did you say that the pH of this beer was between 2 and 3? Yeah, it's uh, 2.85. 2.85, thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the only geek in the room. <laughs> you can just kind of feel your teeth melting a little bit. It's, it's, it's good. <laughs> 
You might have said this, and my question is, did you come to this from a beer background or a wine background or a little bit of both? Because it's curious. I don't think Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, um, I'm formally trained in brewing because I did my geeky chemistry and went to the American Brewers Guild, and, you know, everything I've really done has been on beer. But um, before I had kids and a wife, I used to hang out in California a lot and um, hang out at the wineries because... Um, if, you, if you're ever in like Sonoma or Napa Valley, I mean, the odds are you met someone from Minnesota because they're like, it's like they're crawling everywhere there because it's not as cold. But um, but they're very. I mean, it's a great way to, to sit around and um, not only will you get drunk, but you will learn a lot about wine. They're, they're pretty open because um, there's not a lot to hide in wine. It's all you know about the blending at the end to really create those great wines. And you know, and blending is somewhat used in beer, but more not for complexity reasons, but for consistency reasons. And so, but it, it, it's, um, I don't know, I, I guess it's something to get me out of the box of, you know, brewing our everyday beers, um, something a little bit more challenging. You know, like, like each of our, our brewers that we have on staff, they kind of have their niche of like what they really want to focus on and we, we get them on the pilot system to kind of get that creativity coming out because it's, you know, like the, the things we really emphasize at the brewery is like, it's not just brew a beer, but let's think out of the box about other flavors that come from other items because you know, not only is the beer industry growing rapidly, I mean, there's a lot of wineries opening up and um, distilleries opening up. You know, like every couple months we, um, you know, if you're Lutheran and you live in Minnesota, you know what a potluck is, but have you ever experienced Scotch Luck Friday? <laughs> and, you know, we will, everyone will bring in their favorite bottle of scotch or whiskey or bourbon, you know, and, and we sit down and, you know, and we're like, and, and, you it's know, it's we're not, totally we're not analytic, drunk, too. Right? I mean, we're like, let's, like, smell these. Let's, like, what's in there? Like, can we do this in beer? Can we, you know, is there some cross, you know, blending we can do that just kind of, you know, it makes everyone think a little bit, a little bit different. So, um, so, so the next uh, beer is the 2012 version of... Our, it, this is our first attempt at a, uh, at a beer-wine hybrid. And for this one, we did not use a Minnesota grape. And um, we used uh, a Pinot Noir juice. Um, this was completely done in a barrel, um, a Cab Sauvignon barrel, um, with Bretomyces. Uh, this is a... Um, this is a sour-ish beer. Um, it's it's about 16% alcohol. Um, as you're drinking it, um, it it'll almost come off like a port or kind of uh, a fortified wine. The wine character is really really big in this, and um, this is where we started with it. We we wanted to. Um, we, we tried an experiment. We wanted to see what it would be like. And um, I don't know, we, we bottled some up just to bring it out here, just to see what would get some feedback from you. So give us some comments. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, so we brought with us three of 12 bottles that exist of this. Um, the rest of it, we just kind of, we're leaving in barrels and we're aging it. So we, we brewed this, and um, this is actually a, an 18% beer wine. Um, but um, this was our first attempt to use a red wine. And um, I feel we failed a little bit in that this is very wine forward. I mean, there's not much um, saison characteristic at all. And then, uh, and I do apologize. This is not a very carbonate beer. This is kind of still taken from a barrel. 
Yeah, we, we just pulled this from a barrel and bottled it, so it had no time to really, or any method to like carbonate it. It's also pretty tricky to carbonate at 18%, so. Um, yeah. um, but this was actually originally fermented with um, the Saison, French Saison yeast, and then we added, added um, Bretomyces bruxellius to it, um, which is actually, technically it's a sour yeast, but it, the, the bruxellius version will not provide like a sour flavor. It's gonna give you more of a horse blanket kind of barnyard characteristic to it. So if you lick armpits or feet, you might <laughs> be able to pick that up a little bit in it, so. Um, did you use the same ratio of grapes to grain as the previous one? This was a or? little heavier on the wine. Okay. So we, we kind of did our, our blend technique based on our calculations and what the alcohol levels, and we were going for like basically a 55, 45 blend. Um, but we found with that ratio that, uh, you know, there's not going to be much, uh, you know, left of the beer, you know, flavor components of that. So. And, um, and we weren't necessarily looking to make an 18% beer. So. <laughs> so, so as you're drinking this, um, as I'm drinking it, I'm getting like... Um, a lot of earthy character, a little bit of almost like that, that barley wine, soy saucy kind of thing that, that, happens with, that happens with oxidation and a little bit of age. Um, this was living in a barrel for 18 months, um, so that's definitely there. Um, you know, with this kind of alcohol and this kind of like, um, yeah, I don't know, just robust flavor, uh, my thought is pairing this with something red, you know, red meat. Let's let's eat some uh, let's eat some venison or something. <laughs> and um, um, definitely a lot of flavor going on this. Um, it, it, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a alcohol red wine meets a barley wine, which is kind of fun. Um, again, total experiment, so we don't we don't we didn't really. Uh, you don't really know what's going to happen until it comes out of the barrel, which is fun. How are, how are you getting 16% alcohol with a Saison yeast? Raise, raise your hand. I don't know where you are. Right here, right here. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm just curious with the Saison yeast how you're getting 16% alcohol. Yeah, usually the, the French Saison yeast is very tolerant to, to alcohol. And, and then the other part was the, the bread mycies bruxellius knows no boundaries with alcohol. I mean, um, you know, so you can, this will gradually get stronger the longer we age it. Because we are actually aging these in old um, Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. And the bread of myces will gradually continue to find anything to ferment and increase that alcohol. And, you know, it'll gradually start eating the wood of the barrel. And, you know, and so we, you know, with this variety, I mean, we, we do not ever, or have, have not planned on ever, like, selling this alone as it is. We're just going to kind of use it as a blending um, wine beer, whatever it may be, so, um, but yeah, but I think originally the, the Saison yeast probably took it up to about that 12, 14-ish level, so, because you got to remember, like, when you, you take a wine, which is a simple fructose, and you put, give it a beer yeast, I mean, that is, like, the easiest experience that beer yeast will ever have, so. <laughs> Eric, can you, um, can you, Tell everybody about what a Solera is and uh, why we do it. Yeah, so a Solera is um, not very common in breweries. It's, um, you're going to find it more in the world of like vinegars or ports, where basically it's, um, it's a type of aging and blending process that kind of happens simultaneously. So basically, you know, as um, 
Arcelor blend is, I mean, we're, we're taking a 2012 here and we're blending it with the 2013. And, um, you know, and as you get older, like we're 10 years old, hopefully we'll, we'll actually be blending 10 years of this, of, of 10 variations of this. And what you kind of do is, um, you know, or the, the fun aspect of it is you can totally create, like, you know, infinite numbers of varieties of your, your beer combination because you can have one barrel that has just year one, you got another barrel that's just year two, you got another barrel that's year one combined with year two, you know, you got number three in progress, you can get that one in its own barrel, you can pull, and, and, but the, like a true Slera, what you're going to do is you get that first year barrel, and you're going to pull half of that out, and then you're going to top that off with your, your new product. And then you're going to fill up another barrel with just your new product. And then the third year, you're going to pull half of your first barrel out, half of your second barrel out, take an equal portion of your third year, and then top them up with the third year, or maybe even transfer forward from your second barrel. You know, so like in theory, if you're doing this for 30 years, your, your first original barrel is going to have 30 years worth of product in there, about a different blend. So. But, but that's like, um, we're going to see it more like in, in ports, um, like, like the historic like Spanish port, ports or Portuguese ports, or like, like vinegar, it's very common just to get a little bit more of a consistency from year to year. So the, um, the beer that we're pouring now, um, we're going to do a little bit of math. Uh, beers three and four add up to five. So that's, that's why we drank 18% alcohol beer, because that math makes sense then. <laughs> um, so um, the last beer that we're pouring is um, the Solera version of uh, Hallucidation. And that would be the 2013 and 2012 blended together. Um, has a, a lot more carbonation to it. Um, it's um, more towards the, um, the, the first beer, the white beer wine hybrid that we drank, um, where it's got a lot of more of that fruit character. The, um, uh, the, the, all that port kind of character gets blended out a bit. Um, it's still there and present. Makes more of a, a more fuller experience for the beer. Um, this is what we're pouring down uh, downstairs. We're at table number four. And um, this is being paired up brilliantly with uh, a, a strawberry rhubarb pie. So um, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> It, it, there's a little bit of sweetness. Um, there's a little bit of that uh, sugar character that comes through from the front neck gris. And, um, yeah, just it, it's making an awesome pairing. We're getting uh, a lot of good compliments from last night on it. So um, come down and try it after. Uh, grab some rhubarb pie after you're done tonight. Um, table number four. And it's very small pies. Um, so, so this, this, um, so this is um, actually um, a little bit different than the the 2013, where we actually fermented, you know, beer and wine together to create the combination. We actually um, combined these after they were done fermentation. So we we took the 2012 at when we bottled this was probably aged about 18 months in the Cabernet Sauvignon barrels, and combined it with the unaged uh, 2013. And then we um, added some, some priming dextrose to it. 
and then um, a little bit of um, just um, champagne yeast just to get it bottle carbonated. So this would actually be a, a fun little beer to um, actually drink out of a sh champagne glass. You know, the alcohol in this is probably somewhere around 14 and a half to 15. Which it's, uh, it's a little sneaky that way because it doesn't really have much of a, an alcohol um, uh, flavor to it. These are just a 50-50 blend. I want to know what the ratio is between the two years. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. These are equal blends of both years. So. Do you guys plan on continuing the the solar every year? Uh, yes, we do. So um, so this this coming year we are actually um, going to probably um, do another version similar to the 2013 version, and then we will um, also use um, a Marquette grape which is a red um, variety. So we kind of go with two versions just to um, add to the, the fun of the Solera aging process. So. It, it, it's really fun for us to keep it going because um, we add to our barrel program. Um, we, uh, we, get, we engage with a community who is a wine drinking community in our ne neck of the woods. So um, it's, we did this because it's fun and we're going to keep doing it because it is. <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, you know, if, if you've been to Minnesota, you're going to realize that you kind of get about, you find yourself about four to five years behind the rest of the country, and then you're going to go, oh, we got five minutes to catch up. So the, the growth in breweries and the growth in wineries is just absolutely, you know, not right. I mean, we, we've been around for, when we started up, well, there's 15 breweries, maybe, yeah. you know, and now there's almost 50. You know, two we're and a half two and, and a half years old. <laughs> And more wineries have actually opened up in breweries in Minnesota. So. If, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you out. It's, uh, we'll, we'll have a good time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, would you consider adding other ingredients, or are you sort of purists where only beer and wine? You know, I would say for the, the mainstays, we'd, we're fairly purist. You know, but maybe for, the, you know, if we, maybe for a specific barrel, we'd mess around a little bit. Good answer. Yeah, you know, and, and actually with some of our Slayer barrels, um, the different years, we, we do have multiple barrels going on with different type of, of uh, yeast strains, maybe no yeast strain, or like one has Bretomyces bruxellius, another has Bretomyces lambiscus, um, just to get some different profiles to help with the blending process later. But, but this is kind of the, the fun things that breweries can do. Um, but we, we kind of have to rely on our, our other beer, beers, our mainstay beers that kind of pay the bills. And then um, we go out and buy, you know, barrels and, you know, do, like, these things. There. You know, it's, it's, it's very time-consuming for the amount of volume you get out of it. It was very um, eye-opening to me when I first went out to Parley Lake Winery and um, realized that one tank of our beer that we, you know, which takes us three weeks from brew date to sending out, that's their entire annual volume. You know, it's just like a whole different perspective. And in, in Minnesota wines, they're, um, you know, they don't, they don't make money by selling, like, to restaurants or to liquor stores. I mean, it's very much of, um, tied in with tourism. So you go out there, and they'll be combined with an apple orchard, and they'll have a lot of fun activities where it's just, it's all on-site samplings and just very social and very relaxed atmosphere, so considerably uh, different in that way than the like, California wines, where 
I'm sure predominantly their, their income is coming from, you know, selling bottles outside of the winery. So. so I have the important question of the evening. Where can we get our hands on your beer? Do you cross the border into Wisconsin? We do. Into, um, are you from Wisconsin? Uh, Wisconsin? Awesome. Um, yeah, we, we go about we, 20 We are, um, so you have to give us a little bit of a break. We're, we're two and a half years old. Uh, Eric and I started the company and uh, we were brewing and delivering out of the back of my car. And um, so I was uh, head sales guy and delivery guy. Eric was head brew guy. Um, and, and bottling guy. And, bo- and bottling guy. And um, <laughs> since then, um, we've grown. We have 10 full-time employees. Um, we have uh, 14 distributors now. So we are Minnesota-centric, and then we go into Superior. So if you drive all the way up to Duluth or Superior, you can find us. <laughs> we're, 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 um, hopefully. We're working on it. Um, we're working on um, Iowa, the rest of Wisconsin. Um, we do a little bit of distribution in North and South Dakota. Uh, it's pretty limited. Um, There's a lot of money in North Dakota. Yeah. A lot of good... It's a lot of drinking time. Um, we're working. We're growing as fast as we can. We're probably growing faster than we can, we can work. So... Um, we're just trying to, you know, do it the right way and keep it going the right way. So, uh, we will be in Wisconsin shortly. <laughs> DC is a little bit out of our scope right now. <laughs> we're actually, uh, but you guys are awesome. So thank you. Yeah, we're actually self-distributing in Washington D.C. right now. Yeah. We 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 sent six six barrels here. So if you go to the Cyan restaurant, you can try some of our, our other products. And because we're distributing as long as that beer's on tap, and then we're done. Well, awesome. Thank you for doing, hanging out with us for an hour. Cheers to you. Just so everyone knows, there is another salon going there for another 15 minutes. Um, so you're welcome to exit. If you do so, exit quietly. There are still a few more samples up here, I might point out. So it might be worth hanging out and getting a chat yeah. with these guys. But I know how to again. open beer and pour beer. Thanks yeah. again, John and Eric. We did this in record time. <laughs> So let's drink some beer. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2014, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2014, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor, at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.